0: Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter number 2, this morning. And we're so honored to have each and every one of you here. To our guest, thank you for being with us. We are honored and delighted to have you here. And I want to encourage you to come back again and hear our pastor preach. And we're praying for his voice, and that God would give his voice strength. But he is the man around here that God has used in a miraculous way. And we look forward to him being back in the pulpit here very soon and uh, i heard about a boy who attended church for the first time with his mother and uh, he was so impressed in his sunday school class and the morning service that he went home and decided to play church in his backyard he found himself a five gallon uh, bucket he turned it upside down and used it for a pulpit his mother was inside the uh, the house there looking through the kitchen window she was cleaning the kitchen and washing the dishes and he happened to get to preaching boy he was enjoying himself and he got the house cat, sat the house cat right in front of that bucket there and he was preaching up a storm and mother looked outside. She thought, oh, that's so cute. Look at him, you know. A few minutes later, she heard the cat screaming and screeching and she looked back out over the window and the boy had turned the five gallon bucket back over. He had filled it up with water with the garden hose and he was shoving the cat into the bucket. Mother hollered out the window, what are you doing? He said, I'm baptizing the cat, mom. She said, did you ever stop and think the cat doesn't want to be baptized? And the little boy said, well, he, sh- he should have thought of that before he joined my church. I'll tell you that right now. And uh, we are so glad to have each and every one of you here. We promise we won't force you in the baptistry this morning. Amen. But if the Lord is leading you to get baptized, we want you to get baptized today. We're in the Gospel of John chapter 2. And here we have before us the story of the first miracle that Jesus performs. There's a lot of wonderful things taking place in our text and a desire to be a blessing and help uh, as I communicate God's word to you this morning. Let's look together, John chapter two, beginning in verse one, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Boy, I like that spirit, don't you? And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them all up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast that had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Let's bow for prayer. Father, what a joy it is to be in your house. We thank you for speaking to our hearts already. And Lord, I pray you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And God, I pray that you would fill me and use me to communicate your word to your people. And I pray, God, that you would edify believers this morning. And God, I pray that you would save those who are lost this morning that don't know for sure, heaven's their home. And I pray, God, that those who have trusted you would take the next step of obedience and baptism. And Lord, that each of us would do our parts, Lord, to see you do great miraculous things in our day. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, as we look at the miracle that Jesus performed in, the, in Cana of Galilee, we re- realize that it's the very first miracle that Jesus performed. I love verse 11, this beginning of miracles that Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory. One of the reasons that Jesus performed miracles was to make known the glory of God and the fact that he was God. Acts chapter two teaches us this and his disciples believed on him and as we consider the miracles of christ by way of introduction we realize that these miracles were always performed in the presence of witnesses there were always people there that testified of the miracles that jesus performed we realized this morning that these miracles cannot be reproduced by science that these were miracles that god allowed that were supernatural and they were performed oftentimes to help people this groom is in a big uh, is in a difficult position as it was customary uh, for the groom to take care of the wedding feast. And so at this particular feast, as they run out of this wine, uh, it's, it's really uh, important for this young man to put his best foot forward with his new in-laws and, and uh, those that are there. And so he was in a bad situation. This miracle takes place in the city of Cana, uh, located eight to nine miles north of Nazareth. Today, many believe it's only about five miles about northeast of Nazareth. It was also the home of Nathaniel, it was also the place where the nobleman asked Jesus to, to heal his son who was at Capernaum at that time. But one of the things that's troubling to me about this passage of scripture is that unfortunately, some people have used this passage to really promote the alcohol industry. Unfermented wine in the Bible is often really connected with, with deep wickedness and sin. If you go to Genesis chapter number 9 and you look at the first time wine is even mentioned in the Bible, you can study about all the sin that takes place that's connected with this fermented wine. You go to Genesis chapter 19 and you see wickedness and sin as well connected to the wine. I had a police officer tell me a few years ago, he said that. of criminal activity that we deal with today, the police officer said, uh, is connected to drug and alcohol abuse. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 31 says, Look not upon the wine. Why should we not look upon the wine? Mine eye affecteth mine heart. But it says, look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself right. I like what one preacher said. He said, I don't think I'm better than everybody else because I abstain from drinking alcohol. I just don't think I'm smarter than the Bible. This morning, I want to focus in on the miracle of Jesus. Jesus. And uh, this group of people didn't even realize the predicament they were in and the need that was taking place and how the Lord Jesus was there to do the miraculous. I want you to notice first with me that Jesus was invited to this wedding. As we look at verse number 2, the Bible says, "...and both Jesus was called and His disciples to the marriage." Jesus honors this marriage with His presence And I believe he's placing his divine approval on the institution of marriage. God ordained marriage in Genesis as he brought Eve to Adam. And I'm reminded that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 in verse number 4 and 5, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he made them both male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Jesus believes in marriage between a man and a woman. While there are those today who would like to redefine what marriage is, we need to come back to the Bible. And uh, the Old Testament defines what marriage is, and Paul the Apostle tells us what uh, is wickedness and sin in the eyes of God, but even the Lord Jesus in the Gospels explains to us what marriage is all about. Somebody said there would be few, fewer broken marriages today if couples realized the importance of the presence of the Lord and the power of His endorsement upon their union and their marriage. Jesus was there at this wedding. And people often spend more time and more money preparing for a good wedding than investing in having a good marriage. This morning, we need strong marriages today to be the light in this world of darkness that so lost its way. And yet, Jesus was invited to this wedding. If we are going to know Christ and experience His miraculous power and His working in our lives, He must be invited into our lives. I don't know about you, but as I read this text, I I can't help but think in my own life and heart, I I want to get thirsty for God to do some miracles in my life as well. And, uh, And here, the Lord Jesus was at the wedding because He had been invited to the wedding. Jesus doesn't want to force himself this morning upon anyone. But he had been invited into this marriage. And he honored this marriage with his presence. This reminds me of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a picture, Revelation 3 and verse 20, of the Lord Jesus Christ standing outside of the church. Knocking at the church door. Revelation 3.20, saying, I want inside the church. Just as there's marriages across our land today that really are hopeless because they haven't invited Christ into their lives and into their homes and into their marriage. But there are churches spread across our country today that don't have the presence of God because they haven't taken time to, to invite Jesus to come meet with them. Jesus was a part of this Miracle here at this marriage because he had been invited and in. If we want to see the miraculous power of God, we must take time to invite him instead of pushing him away and pushing him out. Our government today has been pushing God out. Marriages today have been pushing God out. Churches today have been pushing God out. The Bible tells us in Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for His inheritance. We need government officials today who will ask for God's presence and ask for God's wisdom to lead our nation, to lead our state, and to lead our local government. We need churches in our land today who are not trying to push God out, but invite Him in. We need marriages today who will invite the Lord in. We have schools today that have pushed God out. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How can our educators begin to educate our children and give them knowledge if there's no fear of the Lord? But you know, as individuals, we need to invite him into our life as well. I'm thankful that many years ago I realized that I was a sinner. That Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came to this sin-cursed earth and He lived a perfectly sinless life. And He died a substitutionary death on the cross to pay for my sins that that third day He rose from the grave. He's ascended to heaven, and now He sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father, making intercession for us. But I realized that I was a sinner, and Jesus paid the price for my sins. Many years ago, I prayed and received Christ as my Savior. I accepted the gift of salvation. He moved into my life, and my life has never been the same. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to encourage you to trust Christ as your Savior today. Invite Him in your life. If we want to see the miraculous power of God at work in our day, we must first invite Him into our life, and we must ask Him to take part in all that we do. We notice not only was Jesus invited to the wedding, but secondly this morning, Jesus was put in charge of the situation. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 5. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I like that kind of an attitude. When the Lord tells you to do something, you just do it. Jesus was put in, in charge of the situation. You see, there's an, a new need that's taking place. They've run out of this juice. And Jesus is placed in charge of the situation. You know that sometimes God puts us in situations in cert- situations and circumstances that are difficult and that are trying. And I really believe that God places us in those seasons of our life so that we will get good and thirsty to see Him do the miraculous. And here, they're out of this juice, there's this new need, but Jesus was there to meet the need because He had been invited to the wedding. And there are people in our land today that have needs, but they don't seem to find Jesus anywhere because they haven't taken time to invite Him. Mary looked to Jesus to meet this need. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Where are you looking to have your needs met this morning? Who are you looking to to meet your needs today? Some people are looking to the government to meet their needs. Some look to their spouse or their children to meet their needs. But we need to be looking up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There's not only a new need, but there's a new relationship that develops. Verse 4, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. A A natural reading of this might make you think that this is Jesus being disrespectful. But I want you to ponder a few things. First of all, when Jesus said, woman, he was not being disrespectful. It's the same word he used as he hung on the cross. As he said to John, behold thy mother. You know, and, and he looked to Mary, Behold thy son, woman, behold thy son. Uh, this is a word of endurement and love. And uh, we also understand that Mary is accepting the words of Jesus as her understanding is becoming enlightened and sh- her faith was unshaken in the Lord Jesus. You see, there is a great gulf fixed now between Mary, the mother, and Jesus, our Messiah. There's a great gulf fixed now between Mary. The mother of Jesus and Jesus as our master. There is a great differentiation between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus, our mediator. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And now Jesus, who has been subject unto his mother, Luke chapter 2 and verse 52, has now been given the role of authority here, and she willingly submits to this authority, and she turns to the servants who are all standing around in confusion and anxiety, trying to figure out, what are we going to do in this situation? And Mary gave the best advice any Christian could ever give another person. She said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, you need to do it. Mary had taken note of the fact that Jesus had begun to attract some disciples. And she wasted no time encouraging them to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You know you have good friends when they're encouraging you to be obedient to the Lord. You know you're a good friend when you're encouraging others to be obedient to the Lord. Jesus was not only given control of the situation, but then he begins to give some specific instructions. Look with me, if you would, at verse 7 and verse 8. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and they bear unto the governor of the feast, and bear it to the governor of the feast, and they, and they bear it. Jesus begins to speak, and the servants begin to listen. Did you know that if you'll take time to invite the Lord into your life, if you'll come into circumstances that are difficult and you're willing to hand those circumstances back to God and say, Lord, I trust you with these circumstances in my life, that God will speak to you? And if you will take the time to listen to what he says and put it into practice, you better hold on because some miracles are around the corner. Listening to the Lord is an art that Christians have failed to develop in our day. It's either the fact they're not hearing from God or they're simply rebelling against God when he speaks. I remember my wife and I bringing our first child home from the hospital, Josiah. And we went to bed that night and got up the next morning and I was well rested, ready for the day. My wife didn't seem to be so rested. I said, what's the matter? She said, didn't you hear Josiah? He cried all night long. I don't know what it is with that kid. He's been crying every since. Sa- no, 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 maybe not. But, but, uh, but boy, when he was young, and uh, my wife would be up through the night. That's when you have a good wife, amen. You know, as a father, I hadn't learned to hear Brother the man had the sound of my child crying yet. It was a brand new experience for me. And, uh, and I would encourage any of you men who are new mothers, or new fathers, excuse me, to... <laughs> Any of you, new father, yeah, help us out here. Ride that train as long as you can. Amen, that's all I'm saying. But our second child came along, Jeremiah, and several experiences like that again. And then Joy came along. I don't know what is a father and a daughter kind of thing, you know. But somewhere, around, somewhere along the third child, I started developing an ear to hear my kids. And there were actually times that my daughter would wake up at night and I would go help her. In the night, believe it or not, I did. But I had to learn to hear the sound of the child. And God's people need to hear the voice of God. God will speak to you through the Scriptures. And God will speak to you through the Spirit. And God will speak to you through the saints. And God will speak to you through the circumstances of life. Proverbs fifteen thirty one: "...the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise." The Word of God is our roadmap, and God has all kinds of instructions that He's given to us. As the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. God desires to give you instruction for your life this morning, but you must listen and that's why it's so important that every day of our life we open the living Word of God and say, Lord, speak to me. Give me what I need today. That's why it's so important when we come into the house of God, we don't come into the house of God casually, but we come into the house of God saying, Lord, I know that a man of God's going to stand up and open the Word of God and Lord, would you speak to my heart and would you feed me this morning from your living Word? And ask God to speak to your heart as the Word of God is opened. Have you taken time to listen to the Lord this morning? Do you even know the voice of God when He speaks to you? These servants heard the voice of God. They listened and then they obeyed. Jesus said in verse 7: Fill the water pots, and there was immediate obedience. Jesus says in verse 8: Draw out now, and there's immediate obedience. Jesus says, Bear unto the governor. And again, there is immediate action and obedience. And this reminds me if we want the Lord to fill us, we need to be empty as the water pots were as well. So many times people are unwilling to receive the word of God because they're already filled up with junk. Many years ago, one of our kids was on the bus route. They came home. And we sat down at the table to have lunch and they were playing with their food. And I was looking over and saying, what's the matter? I'm just not hungry. I said, did you eat lunch today? No. Did you have breakfast? You know, and we started going through the list and I saw a wrapper sticking out of their pocket. And I thought it was one of those little bite sized candies, you know, and I went over there and I pulled that wrapper and it just kept coming and kept coming. It wasn't a full size. It wasn't a king size. It was one of those great big one pound bars of chocolate. You can see the smudge on their face. I said, no wonder why you're not hungry. You're filled up on junk. There's a reason why Christians today are not hungry for God. We need to empty self of the junk and the pride of our hearts. Jesus was willing to use the servants just as He wants to use you and I today. Jesus didn't manifest Himself to the great dignitaries at the wedding. Oh, no. Jesus manifested Himself only to the obedient servants who were hearing the voice of God. I want you to look with me, if you would, at verse number 9. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was... Did you know it's possible to be a part of North Valley Baptist Church and miss the miracles that God is performing? Do you understand that this great first miracle that Jesus performed, there was literally only a handful of people that saw and knew the miracle that took place before them? Because everybody else was so busy feasting and, and making merry and having a good time they missed the miracle that Jesus was performing. God desires to use your life and mine this morning to see God do the miraculous in our day. 7.7 billion people on planet earth. There's never been a greater time in the history of the world for there to be a revival. For people to come to Christ than today. But it's going to take people that get thirsty for God people who are hungry to see God do the miraculous. People who are listening when God speaks and people who obey immediately as God directs because obedience has always been the key to blessing. And then we see Jesus makes himself known in verse 11. I love it so much. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. To manifest is to make forth And there are many people today who say they want God to do the miraculous in their day, but they haven't taken time to invite God into their lives. And there are many people who say, I want to see the miracles that the disciples watched Jesus perform, but they won't give God control of their lives and give Him control of their circumstances. And then if they make it that far, they refuse to listen to what Jesus tells them to do. And they refuse to follow His instructions. But the good news is this morning, if you'll listen, and if I'll listen, and if we'll follow the leading of the Lord, the miracles are around the corner. May we not be like the people who complain that God is not at work because we haven't followed the pattern that He set forth to us this morning from His Word. And when we're obedient to Him and we follow these steps... You know, the beautiful thing is God always has something better for us than we could ever have for ourselves. When we come to the end of ourselves, and sometimes that's the best place to be, we realize that God has something so far better. John 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When we give him control of our lives, when we listen to his instructions and are obedient to him, God says, I've got something so far better than anything you could provide on your own. You see, Satan always puts his best foot forward first. Proverbs 1.10, My son of sinners, entice thee, consent thou not. That word entice means to allure. Just as a fisherman puts a lure on his line and tries to lure in the fish, Satan says, hey, I've put some bait out there for you. And it looks good. You go after that bait, you, snag, you grab that bait, I don't know about you, but I'd rather shun Satan's bait than struggle on Satan's hook. God expects us to do our part. The disciples couldn't turn the water into this juice, but Jesus didn't expect them to do that. He expected them to fill the pots. He expected them to bring it to the people. And God expects you and I to do our part. I wonder this morning if you've been a member of this church a while and you would look around and say, you know, I just haven't been seeing God at work in my life like I would like to see Him work. Perhaps you need to just jump into service. Maybe there's an area of service that you've been holding back on and the Lord is desiring for you to drive a bus or a shuttle or get involved some way in serving because those who serve are the ones who get to see God at work and do the miraculous over and over and over again. I ask the question this morning, have you invited Christ into your life? Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Has there been a time in your life where you've received the gift of eternal life? I ask the question this morning, have you given God control of every aspect of your life, the circumstances that you're facing in life? Have you given those to Him? Are you listening to the voice of God as He speaks to you? And are you obeying His voice when He speaks because God wants to make Himself known through you? Ask yourself this question, have I recognized that what God has planned for my life is far better than anything I could provide for myself?